Today on the Matt Wall Show, Loudoun County continues to lie about and cover up the sexual assault of a student inside the girl's bathroom by a boy in a dress. But Loudoun County is not an outlier. That's what we have to understand. There has been a sex abuse epidemic in public schools for decades. We'll talk about that today. Also, an NBA star will not be allowed to play for his team because he refuses to get vaccinated. And Bill de Blasio removes a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Plus, Republicans remain mostly silent about the Biden administration's plan to monitor our bank accounts. And Demi Lovato continues to speak out about her alien encounters. And in our daily cancellation, has the remake craze over at Disney finally gone too far? Well, we'll discuss that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. As you've heard by now on this show and from the Daily Wire's reporting, the Loudoun County School Board is the subject of national attention and righteous outrage after the school system tried to cover up the rape of a female student inside the girl's bathroom by a boy in a dress uh, during school hours. Alleged. Loudoun County wanted to keep the incident out of public view in large part because it was at the same time pushing through a policy that would open up girls' bathrooms across the district and allow boys to enter if they claimed to identify as girls. The, you know, this this uh, incident was very inconvenient for that agenda, and so that's one of the main reasons we can assume why they wanted to cover it up. The superintendent in Loudoun County, Scott Ziegler, went so far as to outright deny on the record that any rape in any bathroom had occurred in his district. This was weeks after one had actually occurred, allegedly. Um, and he made this claim, again, weeks after this rape, in which, in which the victim was, among other things, forcibly sodomized. I mean, this was a brutal violent rape, as any rape is. So it was this denial issued by the superintendent at a school board meeting in June that um, sent the victim's father, Scott Smith, into a rage, understandably, which led to his arrest and to him becoming the media's poster child for violent parents, quote unquote, violent parents at school board meetings who now require FBI monitoring. Of course, nobody in the media ever mentioned why Scott Smith was so enraged. That was left out of the story completely until the Daily Wire stepped in. And we now know also, to make matters worse, that there was another rape of a girl in a Loudoun County school building after the rape in the bathroom. And this second rape was, according to reports, committed by the same male student, or at least a male student with the same name, so you can connect the dots. The school system allegedly then let him back into a school after the first rape, where he proceeded to brutalize another girl. But none of these revelations and uh, or, or the spotlight being shown on this issue has caused the school board to abandon its lies and finally tell the truth. On the contrary, they issued another statement yesterday. And here's what the, the new statement says, in part. It says, school board members are typically not given details of disciplinary matters. The board may be obligated to consider long-term suspensions or expulsions and must ensure that students have not been deprived of due process. Consequently, Members of the school board were not aware of the specific details of this incident until it was reported in media outlets earlier this week. Okay, so that's that's their excuse for publicly denying that any rape had happened. They are now claiming, they're actually claiming that they didn't know about this until the Daily Wire told them about it this week. They want us to believe that a girl was sodomized in a bathroom during school hours in one of their schools and they didn't know about it until an outlet stationed in Nashville reported on it five months later. Well, that's clearly bogus. It's a lie. It's an insult. And they tell these lies while hiding from the public, not allowing the public into the public meetings. 
Now, only giving parents 60 seconds to take them to task for their evil criminal behavior. This whole thing is unconscionable, but let's not make the mistake of thinking that the Loudoun County situation, because it's so egregious, is therefore an outlier. It is not. Okay? There has been an epidemic of this kind of thing, sexual assaults and cover-ups, in our public school system for decades now. Decades. Our schools are crawling with sex predators. A study commissioned by the Department of Education found that one in 10 public school students are, quote, targets of sexual misconduct. And that's just by the teachers. So that works out to over 4 million victims. And out of that number, 3 million have experienced actual sexual assault, according to the Department of Education's own report. The epidemic in our schools is 100 times worse than the scandal in the Catholic Church, though it's probably gotten about 100 times less attention. And these are numbers from, that was a report that was done in, uh, you know, I want to say 2004 or so, decade and a half ago. Do we imagine that the situation has improved or uh, since then or, or, or has it deteriorated? I mean, does, does institutional sexual abuse generally clear itself up if ignored or does it continue to get worse? And that, again, is only abuse by teachers. Abuse by students of other students is its own crisis. In a 2017 report, the AP found 17,000 cases of student-on-student abuse in a four-year period. 17,000. Many of the stories are downright horrific. Both boys and girls harassed, assaulted, raped, sodomized. The schools have done a manifestly and nearly universal terrible job of handling these cases, and sometimes they cover it up, as they did in Loudoun County. You know, they'll sometimes send abusers, whether students or teachers, to other schools, moving people around. The same kind of thing that we see when there there are these institutional sexual abuse epidemics and cover-ups. But what else can we expect? I mean, there are hundreds of deviants and perverts working in the system. We, we can't very well depend on them to police the conduct of their students when they can't police their own conduct. Now, the Loudoun County School Board had a special incentive to cover up and lie about this case because they were trying to protect the trans agenda, an agenda that they put before all other concerns, including the safety of students. I mean, far, far above the safety of students, in fact. Most of these other cases were covered up for other reasons. Um, and I don't want to distract from the way that the Loudoun County story intersects with the trans agenda and how the trans agenda sets the stage for this assault and for many more to come by allowing boys into the girls' bathroom. And, and when it comes to assaults enabled by the trans agenda, Loudoun County also isn't an outlier there. We know about the Wee Spa case where a sex predator male was able to access the female locker room and expose his erect penis to women and girls. We know about cases in prison where female prisoners have been allegedly raped, sometimes impregnated with the woman-identifying males they're locked up with. As far as the prisons go, I think it's very likely that there is a, a, whole, a whole separate epidemic happening there, and we just don't know about it because these victims have no way of telling us. We're entirely dependent upon the system to let us know that these things are happening, and they're not going to tell us. So we don't want to lose sight of any of that or distract from it. But my point is that as far as covering up sexual assaults on a public school campus go, this story fits into a larger, long-standing pattern. This kind of thing has been happening for many, many years. 
Not always in bathrooms, of course, often in classrooms or elsewhere on school grounds or in a teacher's home or in their car. And the thing that ties all these cases together is that the system's first instinct is to protect itself, to protect its own interests and its own agenda. Protecting children is far down the list of priorities if it makes the list at all, which I don't think it does. In fact, the system itself sexualizes and abuses kids. It's part of the curriculum. They put pornographic material in school libraries. They teach middle schoolers about masturbation and anal sex during sex ed. They push gender fluidity and cross-dressing. Is it any wonder that the people behind all of this are not too eager to stamp out the physical sexual abuse of children? Would rather cover it up than expose it? The school system is again run by amoral deviants and child sex predators. All of what we're seeing in Loudoun County across the country is a result of that. They view your children not as people, but objects, sexual objects. So we can't really be surprised by these results. But at least, it seems, parents are finally beginning to care about this problem. I can tell you that I've been shouting from the rooftops about the sexual abuse epidemic in schools for years now. And the response mostly has been a giant collective yawn from the public. It's been sort of amazing and incredibly frustrating to see that. You know, to sit here and say, by the way, there's an epidemic of sexual abuse in the school system that the Department of Education has even told us about. Maybe we should do something about this. And most people that hear you say that go, oh, well, eh, there are other things to talk about. People would rather talk about the sexual abuse problems in Hollywood or in Catholic churches 30 years ago then discuss what's happening right now, today, in the schools their own children attend. That's the way it has been. But that dynamic seems to finally be changing. Parents are awake and paying attention for the first time in many cases. And that's the good news. And let's keep that up. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, a lot of people get nervous when the topic of abortion comes up. Um, a lot of pro-lifers do. I, e- even though we are standing in the truth and uh, we know what's right and our, and our position is very simple and seemingly self-explanatory, you know, don't kill innocent people, that's our position. Don't kill children, that's our position. Even despite that, it makes people nervous because there are so many different arguments that get thrown at you from the other side, from all different directions. And that's why you need a book Um, like 40 Days for Life's new book, What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion. Since its release, it's already been a number one Amazon new release and a number two Amazon bestseller, and it's already on its second printing as well. And that's because it is a really effective book and incredibly easy to use. It tells you what to say, what not to say, and the proven arguments that uh, have worked for everybody, including uh, Planned Parenthood and abortion workers. The 220 plus uh, of them have been converted by 40 Days for Life because of arguments like this. So what to say when... The complete new guide to discussing abortion, how to change minds and convert hearts in a brave new world, is available now. You can get it on Amazon or directly from 40 Days for Life at 40daysforlife.com. All right, so I'm, uh, I'm trying to make it through here. I, you know, I had hoped to be more rested today. I, w- I was intent on catching up on uh, some sleep last night, but that plan was foiled when our four-year-old came into the room at about one in the morning because he had a bad dream. And now, you know, my, my wife is nicer in these situations than I am. And it's not that I'm mean, you know, I do take it seriously. I try to, when there's a bad dream situation and I'm on the hook for it, I try to console 
the dream victim, especially because kids really do have terrifying dreams. If you ever listen to them describe their dreams, it's like something out of a horror movie. So like the other day, my, again, my four-year-old had a, had a different bad dream and uh, he told me about it. And he said that, that in his dream, he heard something in the basement. And so he opened the door to the basement and there was a man standing at the bottom of the steps, staring up like silently, not saying anything. And I said, well, who, who was the man in the dream? I mean, maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was Santa Claus or something coming to, you know, try to look at, uh, try to try to see this in a positive light. And he said, uh, well, I don't know who the man was, daddy, because he didn't have a face. And I said, wow, that is, yeah, that's terrifying. I, I am scared now, actually. You're, you're spreading the bad dream to me. Now I'm infected. Stop talking about it. Keep this to yourself. So I get it with the dreams, but um, I so I'll, but I'll, I'll try to console the child and then send them back to their own bed to sleep, or or I'll bring them back to the bed. I'll put them to, to bed and and, uh, and I'll say good luck with the faceless guy. I gotta go back to bed. But my wife, she'll always let the scared child sleep in our bed, and that's what she did last night. So our four year old ended up in bed with us. And if you know anything about young children and how they sleep, you know how this goes. Like they, little kids, when they sleep, they're like wind up toys that are still wound up, but knocked over on their side. So their legs and their arms are still flailing around. So this kid is thrashing all over the bed all night. He's like pummeling me in the side of the face, karate chopping me, kicking me, dropping elbows. I felt like I was trying to take a nap in the middle of a mosh pit or something. Meanwhile, the kid, you know, he's, he's drooling all over the pillows. And then morning finally comes. And you as the parent, you're like a zombie, sleepless, battered, broken. And the kid bounds out of bed full of energy. Well rested. That's the way it goes. All right, so let's start with this. Uh, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving has been banned by his team from playing because he refuses to comply with uh, New York's vaccine mandate. And he has explained what his reasoning is. He says he's not anti-vax in general. He just believes that he should have the right to determine what sorts of substances he puts into his body. Uh, really reasonable position, I would say. Here he is explaining it on Instagram Live. Listen. I'm always going to stay true to me, and that's me. You know, this is my life. I get to do whatever I want with this. This is one body that I get here, one God body that I get here. And you telling me what to do with my body, and it has nothing to do with the organization. I'm going to put that out there. It has nothing to do with the Nets. It has nothing to do with my teammates. This has everything to do with what's going on in our world. And I'm being grouped in to something that's bigger than, than just the game of basketball. And, you know, you got that, that fandom, you know, which is like a religion to people out here. Basketball is like a religion. Entertainment is like a religion to people. They, like, get so caught up emotionally. It's just like, yo... Effing get vaccinated or just leave. You know, we angry at what you're doing, man. And it's just like, nah, that's like, what are you talking about? I'm a human being. I have emotions. I have feelings. I have thoughts, uh, things that I keep to myself, things that I share. Uh, but I'm staying grounded in what I believe in. It's just as simple as that. It's not about being anti-vax or about being uh, you know, on one side or the other, like it, it's just really about being true to what feels good for me. Uh, you know, I'm still uncertain about a lot of things that and that's OK. You know, if I'm going to be demonized for having more questions and taking my time to make a decision with my life, then that's just what it is. Pretty reasonable. 
to, to any reasonable person, that would seem reasonable at least. And who is he putting at risk exactly? You know, we, we come back to this same question. If everybody else is obediently complying and they're all getting vaccinated, who, who, who is he going to infect? We're worried about him infecting one of the other players on the basketball court. They're all young, extremely healthy and physically fit males. And everybody else is vaccinated. So what's the concern exactly? Why do we have to force this on him? Well, because, because it, it is, it's about the forcing. It's about, it's about compliance. Now, um, sports media, you know, usually when a, a, an athlete, basketball player is taking some sort of stand um, and they're punished for it by the team, you know, usually sports media is there to come to their defense. Well, maybe I shouldn't say usually. It, 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 really, it really depends on what the stand is and what, what this is all about. Um, what, what, one of the primary examples that comes to mind, of course, is Colin Kaepernick. And we can't even say that Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick was not actually punished by the league. He was, he was never banned from playing, but he decided he wanted to take his own stand. And, um, then he wasn't able to get another job in the NFL. The, the reason for that is that, you know, while Kyrie Irving is still one of the top stars in, in basketball, and they're not even letting him play. Colin Kaepernick, by the, si- by the time he had discovered his passion for social justice, had, his play had already, he had gone from mediocre to terrible already. He wasn't worth the headache. And that's why he's not playing in the league. And also, he doesn't, he doesn't want to play. He, doesn't, he actually doesn't want to play because he can make a lot more money and be a lot more famous as a professional victim. But sports media, very quick to come to Kaepernick's defense. Even though, what, what, what is he actually taking a stand against? He's, he's taking a stand against a, an imaginary issue. This imaginary problem of systemic racism and cops hunting black people. That's not really happening. But this infringement on basic liberty with places like New York trying to force a substance to people's, into, into people's bodies, that's actually happening. And uh, here's what, let's, let's find out what sports media, what, what they have to say about Kyrie Irving. Here's uh, Stephen A. Smith, a and, and, uh, prominent commentator, especially when it comes to basketball. And here's what he has to say in, uh, about this. Let's listen. The Brooklyn Nets need to get rid of Kyrie Irving. He got to go. He's just a problem. He's just a problem. I want to put everything in its proper perspective, Keyshawn, Mm -hmm. Kendrick, Molly. There's a whole bunch of people out here, myself included, maybe not you, Key, but a lot of us that had reservations about taking the vaccine. Understood. But we took it. Yes. Not just because of us, but because of the people that we were going to be around. And uh, more importantly, the obligations that we have. I don't get vaccinated. I can't do first take. I don't get. I don't do first take. I'm leaving everybody stranded. Not to mention compromising my own bankroll and bottom line, which I was not going to do. Let me be very, very clear about that. Okay, I ain't apologizing for that to a damn soul. All right, that's how I roll. Okay. Having said all of that, even if that were not the case, if I'm a member of a team and we've aligned. And we're mission-minded. I'm not going to be the one to jump off the train to compromise the mission. Okay? 
I'm going to be the one that stands, that stands pat and is like, yo, this is what we're doing. This is what we got to do. Kevin Durant, 6.2 billion plus people have taken the vaccine. Whatever conspiracy Kyrie Irving wants to come up with, all right, good luck with that. But the bottom line is that means you're looking at everybody else who's taking the vaccine, and that's the position that you're maintaining. People out there who don't want to take the vaccine, that's your personal choice. I get where you're coming from with that, but you evidently ain't a part of a team. I, I, every time I listen to this guy, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, that, that was a minute. That's, that's the most I could possibly, there are people who, I guess he, he has multiple shows and people sit down to listen to him on purpose. I can't imagine why it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like human whoopee cushion that you're listening to. And first of all, 6.2 billion people are vaccinated. Uh, no, they're not. That's almost the entire population of the globe. I think the actual number of fully vaccinated people is something like three billion. Still, still quite a lot, but you know he's only got, he's only doubled it. And and but but what he says there at the very beginning, oh they got to get they got to get rid of him. He's got to be gone. Can you if someone had said that, if someone had gone on ESPN or one of these other sports channels and said that about. Colin Kaepernick, we just got to get rid of him. He's not, he's trouble. He's not worth the trouble. Um, Stephen A. Smith would be one of the first to call that person racist. Even though Colin Kaepernick is like half black. Kyrie Irving is far blacker than Colin Kaepernick is. And in this case, you know, Colin Kaepernick is, is protesting nothing. I mean, his rights are not being infringed upon by anybody. And he wasn't banned from the league or banned from anything. Kyrie Irving is speaking out against the actual infringement on our basic human liberties to decide what substances are put into our bodies. And then pretending that it's not just about you, it's about the team, it's about your responsibilities. And of course, he admits in the middle of it that, okay, actually, I'm only worried about my own bottom line because it's all I care about. That's the real answer. But you're doing it for other people. No, you, you, you don't, we, can, we cannot al- allow them to get away with, with flipping this around like this. You, you don't get vaccinated for the, the vac, what, what, what is supposed to protect you is your vaccine. That's what's supposed to protect you. Not Kyrie Irving's vaccine, but your own. And if it doesn't protect you, then why should Kyrie Irving get it? Either it protects you or it doesn't. If it doesn't, then you have no right to sit there and no basis uh, to make the argument for anyone else getting it if you don't believe that it actually protects you. All right, let's move next to uh, this from the Daily Wire. It says, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is removing removing a statue of Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States and a founding father from City Hall after nearly two centuries. New York City's Public Design Commission, each uh, member of which is appointed by the mayor, is planning to loan the Jefferson statue to the New York Historical Society. The commission has listed the statue loan under its consent agenda, meaning the decision to remove the statue would not be open for public debate. Um, and uh, let's see, do they even... Democratic co- Councilwoman Debbie Rose said last year that Jefferson's ownership of slaves justifies his bust expulsion from City Hall. She said in June 2020... Um, his words are all men are created equal, but they were not matched by his action, which included the ability to sell, buy, mortgage, and lease human beings. 
Yeah, it's it's true that um, that Thomas Jefferson, you know, in the in the in the late uh, 18th century, early 19th century, did not fully. I mean, while while he said all all men are created equal, he didn't fully live by that. That's true. Maybe he was not. He was not. He was not. He was not perfect. It turns out. Um. But do you know who else? And at that point in history, didn't fully live by the notion that all men are created equal, and didn't fully believe it. Do you know? Do you know who else falls into that category? Uh, well, just like everybody else on Earth at that point, everybody else on Earth. I mean, s- slavery was, of course, widespread across the globe at that time, especially in non-Western countries. What makes the West unique in their relationship with slavery is that the West was, was the first to abolish it, was the first to realize that there's something wrong with it. But wherever people stood on slavery, was, was there anyone in Jefferson's time who would be considered racially enlightened by our standards today? Could you go back in time to the year, I don't know, 1800? Go anywhere on earth. Anywhere. And talk to anyone on the subject of race. If you were to do that, go anywhere on earth in the year 1800 and talk to anyone on the subject of of race. Would would you be able to find a single soul on earth who would not be racist by our standards today? No, you wouldn't. Not one. So this is, of course, the, the war in American history, which, uh, as we've talked about, was, was always destined to go beyond, uh, you know, we were told, oh, we're, we're just taking down Confederate statues. And then, and then it was, yeah, well, we're going to throw Columbus in there, too, because he was, uh, he was as, as bad as Hitler. Hey, it'll stop there. It'll stop there. No, it, it, it will never stop. And, uh, and I don't think it's going to stop with, it, it starts with all of the white historical figures. And by historical figures, I mean we, we mean any white person born before, I don't know, the year 1990. Um, it starts with them. I don't even think it ends with, uh, with, with just the white people. I've been predicting for a while, and I still predict that. I mean, I'd say we're, may, I don't know, three to four years out, maybe five years from, the, uh, from when from Martin Luther King Jr. gets canceled. That, that'll happen. Uh, he wasn't white, so that buys him a little bit of time. But he was a male. And we do know that um, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that he was not exactly always respectful of women. In fact, there are credible allegations that he was involved in the, in the abuse of women. So they'll, they'll get around to him. They'll get around to everybody. Um. As we say, Columbus obviously was uh, is he, he's already long since been canceled. But more from the war on American history. Kamala Harris spoke at the National Congress of American Indians. It's their 78th annual convention. This is on Tuesday, and she just had one. She she began, of course, uh, as they must, with one long apology for American history. And here's what that sounded like: Since 1934, every October. The United States has recognized the voyage of the European explorers 
who first landed on the shores of the Americas. But that is not the whole story. That has never been the whole story. Those explorers ushered in a wave of devastation for tribal nations, perpetrating violence, stealing land, and spreading disease. We must not shy away from this shameful past, and we must shed light on it and do everything we can to address the impact of the past on Native communities today. Yeah, those dastardly European explorers, those bastards bringing civilization to this part of the globe. How dare they? Yeah, we ought to apologize for that. We really should. Uh, it, just like we should, and, 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 and frankly, as, as a white man, um, I would like to apologize for all of, of the deeds of uh, white Western men. Because white Western men have done a lot of terrible things, including bringing civilization to this part of the globe, you know. I guess they, they, they never should have come. I guess that's the, uh, the stance people like Kamala Harris. They never should have come. Uh, civilization should have, should have stopped should have stopped dead on the other side of the Atlantic and, and never traveled across. You know, and, then, and then it'd be a utopia here. The indigenous tribes were 3,000 years behind, uh, you know, b- behind, behind civilization. And it should have been able, it should have, it should have stayed that way. Where you've got one side of the globe advancing and everything, and then this entire part of the globe is just left to be in the Stone Age. That, that's, that's what should have happened, right? So we should apologize. For that. I think also as a white uh, Western man, I should apologize for you know, modern medicine, apologize for science, for space travel, for electricity, for air conditioning, for democracy, for automobiles, for airplanes, for human rights, for computers, for plumbing, for the printing press. All of those terrible deeds of white Western men. I apologize for all of that. But um, I want to make one other point about this. Because, you know, one of the other problems here with all of this constant apologizing and the way that this clash of civilizations, European versus uh, the, the, you know, indigenous tribes, one of the other problems with the way that it's presented is that, yeah, we've talked about how the Europeans are, are turned into these cartoonish villains in this black and white scenario. But also we make the Indian tribes into these sort of lame victims when, when really they weren't. Um, yeah, in in terms of technological advancement and uh, and you know f- philosophy and government and, and in every other way, they were far behind most of the rest of the world. But even so, I mean, take take for example the Comanche tribe, just just uh, just as one example, one one of the tribes of the Great Great Plains. Um, and there was a, I've told you before about a great book written by the author S. C. Gwynn, who has several really good history books, including one about Stonewall Jackson called Rebel Yell that you should read. But he wrote a book called uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. And this is about the Comanche tribe, not, focusing primarily on the Indian Wars, which were not in Columbus's time. Of course, this was in the, in the uh, mid to late 19th century. But the Comanche tribe, very impressive. 
and a very impressive and interesting history. You know, they were, they were masters of the horse. The Spanish brought, I mean, the horses, hor- horses are not indigenous to this part of the globe. Uh, so the Indian tribes didn't have them until the Spanish brought them over in the, uh, the 16th century. And that just revolutionized so many things among uh, the Indian tribes and the Comanches. Many of the tribes in the Great Plains became masters of the horse, even more so than, than, uh, than the Europeans, the Comanches especially. What they were able to do with a horse, riding bareback on the horse, is like something out of, you know, it's something out of an action film, what they were able to do. Um, and they had this entire empire. But they were also a brutal, warfaring, violent people. And they struck terror in the, the hearts and, and minds of other tribes around them and also the, the white settlers whose settlements they would, would often raid and murder everyone, take a, you know, kidnap and enslave people. Um, that's, see, that's, that's part of the story. But when, you know, with the way that the Indians are presented, people like Kamal Harris, they don't want to talk about that stuff. They don't want to tell you about the raids that they would do, the violence and everything. They want to leave all of that out. But then in the process, by, by sanitizing this history and by sanitizing these people and their culture, you end with something that's just kind of lame and uninteresting. You, you turn all of the Indian tribes into a bunch of just these sort of like loser victims who are sitting around utterly helpless until the, the, the big bad Europeans came in and wiped them all out all at once. When in fact, this was a violent clash of civilizations that went on for centuries. And many of these Indian tribes, especially the Comanches and others, were more than able to hold their own for quite a long time. Because they knew how to wage war, because they had been doing it for centuries before the Europeans came. So it's, it is a, it's a fascinating period of history with fascinating figures on both sides of it. And, uh, and you just lose all that when you, when you try to sanitize it. All right, let's uh, move on. Nancy Pelosi was asked yesterday about this IRS plan, which you've heard about on this show because we've been talking about it. Uh, the, 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 the small little issue of the Biden administration trying to remove and erase our financial um, freedom and privacy altogether by monitoring all of our bank accounts, almost all of our bank accounts. It would be something like 100 million bank accounts that they'd be monitoring. Uh, that have transactions of over $600. Nancy Pelosi was asked about it at a press conference. Here's what she said. One of the pay-fors in the Build Back Better bill that's been proposed is IRS cracking down mm-hmm. on some unpaid taxes. Mm-hmm. Banks are starting to get calls from customers, and they're reporting these calls. They're concerned about this tracking of, pay- of transactions that is greater than $600. Um, so Americans are starting to be worried about this. Do you think that this pay for of, of giving the IRS more money to crack down on unpaid taxes is going to stay in the reconciliation? Yes. Or what do you say yes. to Americans yes. who are yes. about Yes. Yes. Well, I, I, I mean, with all due respect, uh, the plural of anecdote is not data. I've said that before here. 
Yes, there are concerns that some people have, but if people are breaking the law and not paying their taxes, one way to track them is through the banking measure. I think 600, but that's a negotiation uh, that will go on as to what the amount is. But yes. 600. So it's part of the negotiation, but she, she thinks we need to find the high income earners who are not paying their taxes. And uh, 600 is in a negotiation. Maybe it'll be $700. We're looking for the high income earners, so we're going to start in the hundreds of dollars, which again, that's 100 million. I think that's the number that I saw. 100 million households would be affected by this. That's 100 million. Is that, uh, that that's still the top 1%? 100 million? How many people are in this country? Billions? No, what's actually happening, here, who, here is who is really being targeted. And, and this is who they, they really must be looking for, because if they were actually looking for the billionaires, then they would be, they'd be setting the threshold at transactions of $60,000 in a month or something like that. Um, but they're not, and there's a reason for that. I mean, the real reason is that this is their excuse to put the, almost the entire country under a permanent IRS audit and to be able to track you know, everything we're doing, all the money that's coming in and out of our accounts. That's the real reason. But, but who are they actually going to be finding? I mean, uh, who are the, the, the so-called tax cheats that they're going to be primarily um, exposing here? Well, it's, it's going to be people in the, you know, in, the, in, the, in the so-called gig economy, right? Waiters, um, landscapers. You know, people who mow lawns, babysitters. It's going to be people like that. Very much middle class, uh, income-wise, lower middle class people who get, you know, they, they, a lot of times they get paid under the table. They make a lot of money off the table. They don't, they they don't always declare. Uh, They get paid in cash. They deposit it. Doesn't always show up. You know, there's, there's not a, there's not a W-2 for it. And, um, they're not always declaring it as, you know, 1099 income and all that kind of stuff. Those are the people that are being targeted. That's who they're finding. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not finding Bill Gates here. That's not who they're going to be bringing to justice. They're bringing uh, your babysitter to justice here. That's what they're doing. Which brings me to my next question, which is, where are the Republicans on this? But I've, I've heard a few Republicans speaking out. But how are they not all in one voice crying out against this? How is this not the subject of immense outrage? How is this not at least a subject of, of discussion, even on the right? You know, I, th- this is one of those issues where I kind of feel like, uh, it's just like with the sexual abuse epidemic in schools, I felt like I was talking to a brick wall for years. I kind of feel the same way here. I mean, I can't be the only one who sees this as a big, big deal. The vaccine mandates are a big deal. That's horrible. This is worse than that. Okay, we don't, we don't need to get into ranking which is worse in terms of tyranny, but this is worse. This is the IRS accessing your bank account without a warrant, permanently. And Republicans are just off twiddling their thumbs. 
They'll monitor the situation, just like the IRS will be monitoring our bank accounts soon enough. They're going to monitor the situation. And, uh, you know, once this policy is actually in place, then maybe they'll hold a hearing about it. I think that's what they're waiting for. Wait for the policy to be in place, and then they'll speak up against it when there's nothing that can be done about it. Wait for the policy to be in place, and then when, uh, when you know, they run when, when during a presidential election, then the Republican presidents can campaign against it. So that's what's going to happen. This policy will be put in place, but um, Republicans won't really start speaking out against it until, you know, late 2023. Right in time for the presidential election. And another seamless transition here. Speaking of presidential elections, here's a statement from President Trump that he just put out. Uh, of course, he's banned from all the social media platforms, so he has to sort of do what it's, he puts out statements, which which would have been his tweets if he was allowed on Twitter. And here's a statement he put out yesterday. It says, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, which we have thoroughly and conclusively documented, Republicans will not be voting in 2022 or 24. It is the single most important thing for Republicans to do. Now, listen, um, I, I believe Republicans need to fight. That's what I was just talking about. But you also have to fight smart. And so any anytime you're thinking about, okay, here's a here's a battle plan. Here's something we're gonna do as Republicans, as conservatives. Then then, then you gotta think, um, how would the left feel about this? And so if you've got a battle plan in mind and you're planning to do something and the left would love it, then it's probably not a good plan. And so for, for President Trump to, to be encouraging people to not vote in elections, we saw how that worked out in Georgia. How does it work out? You lose the Senate. Do you think, so that was, that was the big plan in Georgia. Ah, we're not going to, the election's rigged. We're not going to vote. We'll show you. And the Democrats say, fantastic, give us the Senate. And then how do we win there? What, what exactly is the plan? And then you don't vote in 2022 or 2024. What? That is a plan. Democrats love that. Trump put this statement out. And do you know who was sharing it on Twitter? The Democrats, the left. They're the ones who made this statement go viral. They were saying, yeah, this is, fit. This is an awesome idea. I love it. You guys should definitely stay home. You're upset about uh, about voter fraud, so yep, stay home. If you have a plan in mind and you look over and you see your enemies, you know, rubbing their hands together and licking their lips and nodding their heads hungrily, um, it's 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 a good indication that it's a bad plan. See, I'm all about fighting, but how about fighting smart? We could also add that in. That's another thing maybe conservatives could learn how to do: fight smart. Use your brain when you're fighting. You know, th- think about what your opponents would want you to do and do the opposite of that. Just an idea. Um, all right, time to read the comments. This Sorry, I almost forgot. I don't know how I forgot, but I I, I did, in fact, forget. Um, 
Demi Lovato still speaking out about, about her alien encounters. I got to just play this real quick and, I, and I'll read the comments. But, um, uh, I, you know, well, let's let's play the clip for this. Is, this is her again. She's she's been she's been speaking recently about her encounters with aliens. And here she is with uh, Kelly Clarkson on the Kelly Clarkson show um, again, describing one of her alien encounters. And, you know, I just find this really compelling. Listen. So I woke up in my room and there was like three beings and then, and they, <laughs> they no. were like, do you want to see your planet? And I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so you were like, hell I yeah. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I like whooshed out of my room and was like hovering over the planet. And then all of a sudden they were like, you want to see our planet? And I was like, Hell yeah! Then yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I whooshed to this like pink and purple planet that I've never seen. I, I, again, I believe her. This is her truth, and I validate it. I hear you. I'm listening. I believe you, Demi Lovato. Um, I believe all alien encounter stories. I think they're all true, you know. And, uh, but, but, and, and I think this alien issue it does create, you know, um, strange uh, bedfellows. I was looking for another expression I could use here in this situation, but nothing came to mind. So I'm going with bedfellows with Demi Lovato. It does create that uh, because now I, you know, I don't think I'm aligned with her on any other issue, but on the alien issue I am. I will say, though, that I'm concerned that you know Demi Lovato has had um, several alien encounters, apparently, according to her testimony, which, again, I totally believe. Um, I'm feeling, number one, I, have to, I, I confess to feeling a little bit jealous. I've had zero encounters, and I'm here all the time talking about how much I believe in the aliens and I'm on their side with whatever plan they have. They want to take over the, the planet, um, you know, vaporize us, whatever. I'm on board for it. And I don't get to have any encounters at all. Demi Lovato gets all of them. I'm trying not to be too focused on the jealousy with that. But putting my jealousy to the side, I am, I'm a little concerned that they, they appear to have zeroed in on her as sort of our leader. Um, and so Demi Lovato has become our our diplomatic envoy to the extraterrestrial beings. And so I'm, I'm worried about how we're being represented. And when she tells me about these conversations she's having with the aliens, where she's saying, yeah, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll see your planet. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like let's go check out your planet. I, and I, it's just, that's not, I, I just, all I can say is I, I hope she's, she's taking this role seriously. Um, and I do kind of wish that the aliens had chosen someone else other than the non-binary pansexual pop star. Um, but, you know, they have a plan that I couldn't possibly understand. All right. Let's see. Uh, well, we'll start here. It says, Patrick says, uh, it's okay, Matt. We in the SBG understand you even in silence. Well, I appreciate that. But I still am filled with, uh, with, with shame. And regret for not acknowledging the SBG gang on stage at the Ryman. But you know what? There, there, there will be other live Daily Wire events, and I can promise you, I can promise you that the da- that I will not make that mistake again. Um, and the other thing I did love about that, by the way, is all the people who were wearing the SBG uh, shirts, and then we were when they were going through the receiving line at the at the meet and greet. And so all the other guys were forced to take uh, many pictures with people wearing the Sweet Baby Gang t-shirts, which, are, which I think is fantastic. Um, let's see. Miss the Bandwagon says, how could these people not see themselves in Superman before? He's an everyman. 
He may have been born with every super superpower, but he grew up as a normal kid who wanted to fit in. And as he became an adult, had to find a use for his talents, and he tries his best to force, be a force for good on the earth, and that's what we all strive for. If these people can only relate to a Superman that kisses boys, then I don't believe they care about Superman, the character at all. Well, you know, of course they don't. They don't, they don't that's the point with this, this whole representation thing. They don't think that any character should just be a character. They want every character to reflect them in every detail. When they're watching every story, they want to see them. They want it to be like looking in a mirror because of this narcissism. Though I have to say, it, you know, I'm, I'm opposed to turning Superman gay, but at the same time, I do think he's probably the lamest superhero of them all. So I, I can't ultimately get, get that upset about it. I'd be fine with just erasing Superman altogether. He's, he's one of the, the first tries at kind of making a, a superhero. He's a very primitive early version. And that's why they gave him, you know, they gave him every single superpower. Uh, he's immortal. Nothing can kill him. He can shoot lasers out of his eyes. He can fly. He can... What should we call this guy? Uh, Superman. He's, a, he's super. He's a man. He's Superman. I just think he does. He doesn't have quite the same nuance and everything that uh, that some of these other superheroes do. So, uh, let's see. Ilberto says, "Now I'm being warned about the dangerous climate change content Matt is presenting." Yeah, YouTube did slap the show with a warning yesterday because I was talking about Superman and how in the new Superman comic he's going to be fighting climate change, and I I expressed skepticism that Superman could actually fight climate change because I wasn't sure what that would actually... Like, how does a superhero physically battle climate change? And so I expressed skepticism, not even about climate change. My skepticism was about Superman's ability to prevent or or stop climate change. And I got slapped with, a, with, a, with an advisory label from YouTube for that because of my Superman skepticism. Uh, let's see... What else we got here? Uh, Maximilian says, Matt, when will the Daily Wire begin making PG-13 films instead of R-rated films? Uh, well, I, I, I don't think we're going into it having in mind what kind of rating you want the film to have. I think the idea here is uh, to just tell stories that are worth telling. That's what we want to do with the Daily Wire is tell stories that are worth telling, tell stories that Hollywood is not telling. And then you, you, it'll have whatever rating is required. Like whatever is required to tell that story honestly and completely. That's going to be in the film. And then the rating will reflect that. So we certainly have not committed to we're only going to put out R-rated movies. But not that I'm at all involved in the conversations for what movies we make in the first place. But, uh, but I know that's not happening. But you do have to decide what in, in order to tell this story. And to tell it the right way, you know, what, what is, what's needed. And depending on what the story is, maybe there might be violence. There might even be vulgarity in order to tell it honestly. And then the rating will just reflect that. So I think, I think that's the way we're uh, going about it. Thank God I can tell you about the Jordan Harbinger show once again. Like a drink of cool water amid all the sludge that I am serving you. 
on this disgusting, awful show of mine, um, The Jordan Harbinger Show, that is a real podcast. And it's a podcast you definitely need to check out. Since you're a fan, I can only assume, of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes you'll find interesting. Um, like, for example, his episodes with Colonel Oliver North and Kobe Bryant. There's an episode for everyone, um, no matter what you're into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. That is far more interesting than anything I've talked about on this show. Let's be totally honest about that. The podcast covers a lot, but one constant is his ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. I promise you, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life for a change. So we uh, really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much there. Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show, jordanharbinger.com slash start for some episode recommendations, or search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, there's more. Not only did we have an extremely successful showing of uh, Backstage at the Ryman this past Tuesday, but we also dropped some extremely exciting news. The Daily Wire has several new projects in the works that are going to change the way you stream because we're bringing you even more non-woke content that you literally won't find anywhere else. I'm pleased to announce that we officially dropped the teaser trailer for Shut In, which is Daily Wire's first original production. The film follows a young mother who is barricaded inside a pantry by her violent ex-boyfriend and must use her ingenuity to protect her two small children from escalating danger while finding an escape. And we actually have a clip of that, which we're going to play right now. Right now. Here's an, a 60-second look into a thriller that you're not going to want to miss. Lainey! I told you I need to see you at all times. Do you understand me? Well, I'm going to take off tonight so the kids can sleep most of the way. Well, I'm mostly done. I just need to finish cleaning out the pantry. And we, we played that, and we played that, like what you said, at, at the Daily Wire uh, backstage. And uh, I got to say, I was, I knew about this this movie, but I was not expecting it to be even as intense as that. So that's the one that I'm looking forward to seeing. And also, we want to share a message with you from the fearless Gina Carano about her new Daily Wire movie. This is a, this is a different one. Uh, Terror on the Prairie is what it's, what it's called. And it just started production this week. Take a look. Hi, Daily Wire members. This is Gina Carano. I'm coming to you from the set of Terror on the Prairie. Um, we came up to Montana and it is absolutely God's country. We're making new friends. We've attracted the most incredible cast and crew and, and a hell of a director. We're going to make a great, great movie. Um, I, I'm in love with the script. I'm in love with the character. I'm living fantasy right now. So um, I can't wait for you guys to see it. We're going to work hard. After we announced our first project this summer, the Hollywood Union started debating vaccine mandates for cast and crew, and I wasn't into that. I don't believe anybody gets to make your medical choices for you, and I'm not willing to force masks 
and vaccines on anyone else. Thank you to all the Daily Wire members. You guys have been an extended family. Uh, thank you to, to you know everybody for making this possible. Without you, I, I don't know where I'd be right now. And right now there's no other place I'd rather be. So I hope everybody is doing well. Um, keep fighting, stick together. We got this, never give up. It's a lot of stuff. And this is all coming to the Daily Wire in 2022. Uh, there's no better time for that reason to join us now. Head to dailywire.com slash subscribe and enter code 2022 for 25% off your, your membership. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe code 2022 for 25% off a new Daily Wire membership. And stay tuned for more updates and new content. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we cancel, and uh, not for the first time, not for the last, Disney. As you know, Disney has for a while now been disgorging a steady stream of stale, warmed-over, reheated, recycled content. The company's creative brain trust convened several years ago, and the head guy over there said, you know, I've got an idea. You know all those really popular movies we made in previous decades? We're going to make those again. Oh, you mean we're going we're gonna to make movies inspired by those classic films? No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to make those same films again. You mean like sequels? No, no, no. We're just going to we're going to take those movies and do them again exactly the same. And that was the end of the discussion. It had to have been the end because there clearly hasn't been anything in the way of actual creative thought or deliberation going into Disney's recent output. Um, they have simply taken the films they made in the past and done them again. Shot for shot, making changes only where modern PC sensitivities demand. So the latest in this slate of microwaved leftovers is the Home Alone reboot. The new Home Alone, which will be available for streaming in November, appears to have taken the original, which, which still exists, by the way, you can still watch it, and recreated it almost exactly, except without any of the charm of the original. Never mind the total suspension of disbelief required to watch a Home Alone remake set in the year 2021. I mean, the, the original only worked because it happened to have been made a few years before cell phones became household items. But these days with cell phones, the story should be over in about 15 minutes when the mom realizes, oh, we left our son and just calls him. Then again, it was never clear why she couldn't have just called him even in the original film. I don't remember how they got around it. In any case, there's a trailer for this abomination. Let's watch part of it. It was the night before Christmas vacation. And the fun was in full swing. You have split our family onto two separate flights. Mom! Max, please! The family left for their big vacation. Is that everyone? The cars are leaving now! But forgot one little thing. Mom? Dad? Uncle Blake? They don't even know I'm here. They don't even know I'm here. My mom and dad have gone to Tokyo. I'm totally on my own. Did you realize that my 10-year-old son is at home by himself? You just assumed Max was on the other flight. We didn't take a census. We got reports of suspicious people around 36 Lincoln Ave. I can't go to jail, honey. I wouldn't last 30 seconds in Gen Pop. It's where fresh fish get got. Nobody here is getting got. And we're criminals. I don't think so. So, sorry, I was wrong. It's, it's not exactly the same as the original. In this one, uh, the kid has a British accent. So, that's the big... It's, it's Home Alone, but with a... That, that's, what they, that's what they said when they, when they were in their, their brainstorming session. They said, so, so they said I, I know. What if, what if Home Alone, but with a British accent? Brilliant. Also, Joe Pesci's character has been replaced by 
the most boring actress in Hollywood. That's another change. And all the men in this new version appear to be submissive dunces as well. Like I said, you have to adjust for modern PC sensibilities. Though somehow the kid remains both male and white, which is easily the most surprising thing Disney has done in 25 years. Maybe they figured they already checked the intersectional box by choosing an overweight child for the role. I'm not sure. Now, I want to make just three points here about this. First, um, the death of creativity in Hollywood actually does matter. I mean, it is a big deal. You can tell quite a lot about a society from its creative and artistic output. A thriving society is an artistic society. When we as a people have something to say, when we are striving towards something, when we have a sense of awe and wonder, all of that tends to be reflected in the art that we produce as a culture. So what does it say about us that our most popular films and shows are almost all rehashes of what came before? Or else they're franchises where the exact same story is told over and over again, where only the title and the timeline changes. It says that we're decadent and bored and empty, just like the movies we watch. Of course, there are still good, worthwhile, innovative stories being told. We're telling some of them ourselves here at The Daily Wire, as mentioned. But um, we don't have the audience that Disney has. If you want to produce interesting art these days, you're going to have to start out on the fringes and kind of fight your way in And it will be an uphill battle all the way. Which brings us to the second point. It's often said that the major studios have run out of ideas. Ah, they've run out of ideas. No, they haven't. There's no scarcity of ideas. As long as the world is populated by conscious, self-aware beings, there will always be ideas. And even a few good ones. The problem is not a lack of ideas within Disney or in any of these other studios, but an outright hostility to ideas. They haven't looked for ideas and come up empty. They've rather exiled all of the bold and unique ideas and the people who come up with them because ideas are risky. Ideas always have a chance of offending people. Ideas don't always translate into the chosen artistic medium perfectly. A multi-billion dollar corporation like Disney has no use for such volatile and hazardous things as ideas. They'd rather put out content with no ideas. And why not? Because they can shovel stale garbage into the audience's mouth and get them to eat it anyway. And if you can do that, why bother cooking a gourmet meal? Which takes us to the third point. That I think we carry much of the blame here. You know, we complain that Hollywood never puts out anything worthwhile and all they do is repeat themselves. And yet we continue to give them our money and ingest whatever nonsense they feed us. And I do blame millennials for much of this. I think as millennials, we get too much blame in general for the state of society, a society that was already broken before we got here. Thanks, boomers. But for this, I give us much of the blame because we have an insatiable appetite for what we call nostalgia. And so the studios can churn out slightly revamped versions of the things we watched when we were kids, and we will obediently just gobble it all down. But we never stop to think about the fact, first of all, that so much of our childhood nostalgia is tied up to, tied, tied to media and, and products and brands we liked rather than actual real-life human experiences. And we never worried about the fact that our appetites and tastes apparently haven't matured or changed a single bit since the age of 12. And so it becomes a vicious self-fueling cycle. We remain in perpetual adolescence, which means Hollywood can keep redoing and rehashing the same films and shows we enjoyed in our adolescence. And the more we absorb that content, the more we remain in that childish state. So there are many people to blame here, including ourselves, which is why Disney is canceled 
All these Hollywood studios are canceled for producing this drag, but so are we for continuing to watch it. And uh, on that self-loathing note, we will end it for the day. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, the shipping bottleneck continues as Joe Biden ignores reality and blames private companies. Inflation continues to spike while the White House downplays the problem. And Hunter Biden's email scandal starts to infect Joe. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Shapiro. 